0: It's Friday, August twenty-six, two thousand and sixteen, and this is the Game Life podcast. Hello, uh, yeah, we took a little bit of a break. Um, it's okay. Every now and again, we just kind of take a break, and um, but we're back. And uh, and I am Chris Kohler, and I'm the host of the Game Life podcast. And we're going to talk about some video games today for sure. And with me here uh, in a Google Hangout is Jake
1: Muncy, contributing writer at Wired.com.
0: Hi, Jake. How you doing?
1: I am good. I am good. It has been a while. It has been a while. It has.
0: Yeah, you know, you skip a week, and then you skip another week, and then, yeah. but, you know, things, and nuts. things are nuts. I got sick, and then you got sick, and it was like, I got. I got super sick. I got yeah. the sickest. Yep, so that happened. Um, but here we are. Uh, Matt Peckham is uh, – Matt. Pe- Time, Time Magazine's Matt Peckham uh, is uh, with his family today. Um, I think – I believe he's with his family during Labor Day as well, so um, we may miss him next week too. Yeah. Uh, and then you may you may miss me because I'm gonna be in Tokyo two weeks from now, Tokyo Game Show. Oh my! So I know, so that's happening. Um, that's gonna be fun. Uh, already getting some uh, appointment um, requests from uh, Sony. So I think some Very stuff nice. is. I mean, you know, obviously they've got some big games happening. So yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. So that, I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to getting back into Akihabara, seeing what's going on with the, you know, the video game purchasing situation there. Um, and, uh, maybe even Facebook living, uh, some stuff while I'm, uh, while I'm there, if we can get that working. So, uh, we'll yeah, see. Cool. Should be fun. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we've we've taken a bit of a break from this podcast uh, for the last couple of weeks. So, there's a lot that's happened. There's a lot of video games that we played. There's news that's happened. Um, I don't know if we can really get to all of it, um, but I mean, you, Jake, you played uh, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided, which is probably yes. the biggest video game to come out in you know that this this window. Um, so I yes. want to jump in and and ask you about about that. Um, okay because it, cause i plan on doing a lot of talking later on in the podcast so i mean i yeah. definitely want you to get your, right <laughs> you know i just don't i don't uh, want you to just be sitting here <laughs>
1: not saying anything wondering why pretty, you showed but, up but, today but, yeah, but, but audience, you can't see me anyways so you know that's a waste but <laughs> <laughs> a shame. Um, yes um yes i played the day sex and it's interesting i gave it a pretty harsh review because mm-hmm. I think it doesn't do what it wants it to, wants to do, and that's how you know how I, I want to evaluate games. What is it trying to do, and does it do that? And I think. Yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I think you know it wants to be you know both this big, complicated. You can sneak. You can shoot. You can run around. You can do all these different things, and it, and it also wants to be this sort of paranoid conspiracy theory theory th- 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 thriller that builds on you mm. know concrete and specific political ideas that are that, that, that are not unrelated to what's actually going on in the world and right. it doesn't really get that balancing act right and it's a, it's a very hard balancing act to get right and it just doesn't quite do it <laughs> it it, it <laughs> paints augmented people as like an oppressed class which is odd because right. it's hard to be that oppressed when you have like a sword made of nano machines in your arm like <laughs> like it's the the the, the 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 same problem that like the x-men has as a metaphor where it's like you're an oppressed subclass but you can also shoot laser beams out of your eyes i'm not sure that's how that would really go <laughs> and that, I mean, that that makes it hard for Dave sets to pull off why I think it wants to politically. On mm-hmm. top of that, it feels rushed in some ways, like it ends – it ends – very quickly and it doesn't seem to tie up its own plot lines. And you know, rushed is an odd thing to say about a game that has been like five years in the making. But it seems Right, right. And know, it's been like
0: endlessly delayed. Yeah.
1: Right. But but it still seems like parts of this game that should be here still aren't here. And I know I did know... see people complaining about that, that uh the game yeah.
0: seems to just sort of end as if it was yes. like coming to like as if like episode one was coming to a close and right, there was all right. these like unresolved plot threads
1: right i'm not sure if they've dlc plans or if or if square wanted them to push out you know a big third game without as long as delay so they shaved off part of this one or i don't know exactly what happens but but it doesn't feel quite like it's all there and so the whole right. package doesn't quite hold together i do want to say that you know despite giving it a hard review it's not you know not an entertaining game i just don't think it's a successful game
0: right I mean you you enjoy playing it you feel like the gameplay works it's yeah it's, it does it's, yeah it's enjoyable it's yeah. just that you know yeah. you want to engage with it on the level right. that they, that the designers seem to want you to engage with Yeah, on. it's like as soon as when you start when you start doing something that's like I'm creating art and it has a political statement it's like okay well uh-huh. uh, then I'm gonna grapple with that as a yes. critic and we're I'm that's gonna say you know did you do a good job or not um, and if it creates this sort of dissonance between um, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the fun that I'm having, but also this sort of nagging sensation in the back of my mind that like, narratively, this doesn't work. Um, but I think, I think that the, it's like they're tackling this impossible problem. And this is something that right. you touched on in your review. Yeah. It's that, yeah, there, there are successful political games out there, but they're not intended to be mass market titles. You know what no. I mean? Like if you look at, I mean, you know, I mean, you take a very common example, like Zoe Quinn's depression quest, you know what I mean? Like there's that she couldn't do that as a triple A game. You know what I mean? If she were to try to work within the triple A structure and create a game uh, that that really tried to say something about depression. it, but also it was a massive AAA blockbuster in A blockbuster in an established franchise. Like, you'd, it would just no. be an, an intractable problem, right? But yeah. that's what it seems like the Deus Ex team was trying to do, was to square this impossible circle um, yeah. and yeah. create a political game that was provocative, but not too provocative, because right. it has to be a summer popcorn flick. Um
1: yeah it's, it, yeah, it's it still has has to sell, you know, a million, a couple million copies for them to, you know, get their money back and feel like right. it's been a an good investment. And you can't really piss people off if you're gonna do that. And That's so right. you you can't think things too hard because there's a big part of the core audience that doesn't want that out of their big games. And so, yeah. So what but at the same time.
0: When you have all of these these artists, when you have all these people, like these hundreds upon hundreds of people um, working so hard to create this massive video game over such a long period of time. I mean, you know, when you spend five years creating a game, that's that's like high school. You know what I mean? That's like that's such a, that's such a huge right. period of time to create one piece of creative output, and and it's like you can't have a side hustle either. You know what I mean? Um, can't the if you're if you're sleeping under your desk you know to create this one game um, it's not like you can do this we don't have an industry in which you can do this thing to pay the bills and then on the side you're making the art that you really want to make it's like you're just doing this because this is this 80 hour work week right so of course you know you would feel the need you would look at independent games and what they're doing you see gee i wish i could do that in my game then you right. try to square that circle and you try to do it but and it's like it it seems like it's impossible or certainly it seems like you know it's it's not been pulled off yet
1: yeah i feel like a, i feel like you know it could happen but it's gonna re- require who mm-hmm. the, the people higher up in these companies to value that and that just hasn't yeah. happened and for it to happen will require them to think the market values it and i don't know yeah. when or if that's gonna happen
0: the triple a game is just so weird i mean this has been yeah. a this has been a constant you know uh, talking point on the game life podcast for years and years now but but for real like the it i it, what is going to happen um, to the the massive big budget video game experience. Um, it's it's just in such a state of change right now. Um, and I really don't know what that's gonna look like in five, 10 years. And this is just this, yeah. this point that we've been hitting that this model is dying. Um, because these games like the 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 release schedules of these companies have been winnowed down to just one or two games a year in some cases and there's just so much pressure on these games to be everything to everybody um but they can't even do that and the success that you're seeing now is from games like you know overwatch um Mm. which um you know are these multiplayer focused Um, games that have, uh, you know, substantial longevity built into them or the potential for substantial longevity. But beyond that, it's that they generate more revenue from their players in an an ongoing basis. And we actually see this with Deus Ex, which, Mm -hmm. you know, used to be, you know, if you bought a Deus Ex game, you were just buying a product that was a standalone game. Um, But now with Deus Ex and players are up in arms over this, um, people who pre-ordered the game and they said, oh, if you pre-order this game, you're going to get this weapon, and you're going to get extra ammo or whatever. You know, you're going to get all this stuff. And it turns out that it's consumable items. It's... um, it's, it's items that once you use them with one of your save files, they disappear. They're going to use it one time on one save. Yeah, like boosts in a mobile game. Uh-huh. Um, and then if you want more, you buy more. Yeah. Um, and that, that structure, this mm-hmm. thing that I, I watched the, the Jimquisition, Jim Sterling's video series, right, that yeah. he does uh, independently, and, and he sort of coined the term fee-to-play, which ah. is like essentially a free to play free to play game mechanics in a game that already costs money um hmm. that that is absolutely i feel like the future of this of the of the big budget game like right. they've got to put these hooks in all the time now that the 60 dollars is just the beginning and it's and it's the ability to have whales, like the ability to have Deus Ex whales, you know, who are that small percentage of Deus Ex consumers who just have infinite money and just pour it into this game, like buying um, boosts and buying one-time-use consumable items. Um, And that, I think you're going to see that. And I think you're going to see AAA games structured around that. So the idea, I, I really feel like just fundamentally... Ah, uh, these games are going to change big time. Yeah, and absolutely. that if you want, if you want that single-player, self-contained experience, um, it's not going to be created um by these by these big studios anymore. They're just not going to make the, these kind of games
1: for you. And what I always find really interesting when this conversation comes up is is that you know two things happen: people get really really angry ab- about 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 this DLC and the microtransactions and all of that, and then they buy them anyway, and it ends up. Being massively successful. Uh,
0: stated preferences versus revealed preferences, right. right? That's that's precisely what that is. The things you say um, that you prefer versus the things that, going by the data, you actually prefer or will right. go in for. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just feel like um, this. Uh, it's it's just so funny that the um, the the uh, i'm thinking of chicken little but it's the reverse of that it's the the pollyanna-ish sort of nature of people just you know absolutely saying that video games are not changing whatsoever when everything is changing out from under them and it's like this is your fault folks like this is like you (laughs) you demand um, these incredibly high production value games, you demand that they only cost $60 and, and that's great. And if you want that, um, this is this is how you're going to get them. Because when companies get to the point where they're only producing one or two games a year, they, they cannot take any kind of risk whatsoever that those games aren't going to be successful. Um, they They absolutely must. And that just means putting in more and more revenue hooks, including... You know these infinite revenue hooks, these potentially yeah. infinite hooks um, that let you just keep paying and paying and paying without them having to make more content. Um, and if and and even now, it's like I think even Final Fantasy 15 yeah, has a, it a has, season pass, right? Yeah, I mean, even yeah. even final even Final Fantasy, um, which you know makes it a, a ton of sense. Final Fantasy 15, by the way, you may have noticed there was some news about Final Fantasy 15, <laughs> uh, which is it got delayed again. Um, you really when you have a gala party in los angeles and rent out a massive theater um, and spend millions of dollars um, just to announce a game's release date you should probably stick to that you should probably not <laughs> you shouldn't necessarily stick to it come hell or high water but you should be absolutely positive that you are like the game really should have been done at that point. You know what I mean? Like right. when, you, when you're going to announce that release date, you better be done. It better, it better not be, you better not be like just speculating that you'll be able to finish the game by then. Because at this point, what with this game having been in development for 10 years, I can't believe that, that Square Enix would ever say, yeah, you know, this time, I, I, I think we got it. <laughs> this is, it's definitely happening. Right. Um, I mean, so, so they bumped it back by about two months. Um, to to apparently to add um, uh, uh, apparently it was going to have a huge day one, a massive, massive, major day one patch. Mm -hmm. But instead of, um, I guess risking uh, the idea that some players would play it without that day one patch, they decided to actually build it into the into the disc.
1: Yeah, I mean they cited some serious like optimization problems, and I can only think they must have been pretty. Big optimization problems for them to take the risk of delaying it. I mean, well, the risk of delaying it, maybe that's the wrong way of putting it, but just, you, you know, like you said, it's, it's the opposite of saving face at this point.
0: Oh, yeah, to have to, sorry, not the, not the risk of delaying it, but yeah. the, like, basically having to, um, like, eat poop and, and, like, you know, but right, I mean, like, just, like, okay, just, guys, just, we're just really sorry. To, but... Um, go through that tremendous sort of public embarrassment of literally sending stickers to GameStop so that they can (laughs) put a sticker over the release date, you know, of the marketing materials that were already made, you know, because it costs so much money to delay a game, have to go and inform people the game was delayed. It just makes you look bad. Um, To have to deal, to have to deal with that, that's a, that's a, that's a tough bridge to have to cross. Yeah. Um, and and so they and so they did and so that's good. I mean, it's it, it is unequivocally good for the quality of the game that it got delayed. But and and but a lot of people stop there, right? They're like, oh well, you know, the game got delayed. That's that's good. It's going to be a better game for it. But it's also, um, it it doesn't bode well for the overall quality of the game that it wasn't basically done and just needed a little bit of polishing that they really were like scraping to to get it out this year like the fact that they basically had to delay it says to me that they're not happy with it as it stands Mm -hmm. and that um they are just like you know it's it's something on the it's something on the scale of they're scrambling to get it out this year Mm -hmm. or it's like, it really, it does not, it does not fill me with confidence and it should not fill anybody with confidence about the, about the quality of the game. Because I think, because again, like when I said about that, that, that event, you know, that, that release date announcement event was that it was this weird premature victory party. It Mm -hmm. seems like they were sort of like taking a victory lap um, before the race. Um, right and it's it, it's 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 just very you know i'm not saying the game is bad i'm just saying it's very unnerving uh to see that that sort of behavior because the, the the quality of this content has not been proven yet
1: no they would not have delayed it if they were not legitimately worried about what would happen if they released it on time i mean a lot
0: of they you know most probably most playstation 4s and xbox ones in the u.s are connected online, yeah, right? Most yeah. people probably don't have a problem downloading day one patches. Um, in Japan, that might not be true. Hmm. In Japan, a, okay. you know, a, a lot of people, like some people just don't have home internet in Japan because hmm. they have uh, their phones. Hmm. And like, they just use, you know, their phone signal, um, you know, to to uh, do all of the internet kind of stuff. So they might own a PlayStation 4, especially when Final Fantasy 15 comes out, They might be going out, buying a PS4 just to play this game, Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily have any desire or um, uh, plans to connect the PlayStation 4 to the internet. And they Mm -hmm. may not want to, depending on what kind of internet service that they have, they may not want to download a five gigabyte, you know, day one patch. Um, And so it's very, it it is more important, I think, still in Japan, um... To have all the content on the disc, and if people are going to play this game uh, without downloading the day one patch, like you know, it would it would not it would not look good for them to really have to like underline oh. to people like, hey, you have to patch this game because the thing that's on the disc is like is a mess. You know, they don't mm-hmm. want people playing the thing that's on the disc. Um, yeah. It's the same thing with No Man's Sky. Like, I mean, the No Man's Sky. Uh, patch, which you played No Man's Sky, right? Yes, yes, I have. We can, that the great segue because the No Man's Sky day one patch uh, fundamentally changed the content that was on the disc.
1: Yeah, fundamentally to the point where they told reviewers who played it early because everyone apparently broke the Street Day is please do not play this game yet. It is not the game yet, and and, and yeah, I I did not get a chance to play it without the day one patch. But um, what what I've heard from people who have is that, yeah, it fundamentally transforms the nature of the game. And, and even with those transformations, those improvements, it's still been, you know, radically divisive, which I think it was always <laughs> doomed to be. No Man's Sky could never actually have been No Man's Sky. Not the one people dreamed of, when people talked about. It was, you know, people treated it like it was the second coming of christ and it's just a video game made made by a team who you know had never made a video, a video game of, of this scale before and I, Which, I, I,
0: I, 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 I it just it blows me away because what i i i'm just like what how did, did you happen? expect how yeah how right. did this happen like i mean it is it is absolutely true that like i mean look you know when you go to these playstation press conferences and they show these games um on this big Massive, you know, screen, not even a screen anymore. Because when they do the PlayStation press conferences, they're these like arrays of screens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it makes anything look a million times bigger than it's actually going to be. And No Man's Sky, it just looks so impressive, um, mm-hmm. to see it up on the screens and everything like that. But really, it was just kind of like, you, this is made by the guys who made Joe Danger, like, this is. <laughs> this is going to be a, a sort of a small, compact um, gameplay experience. And the fact yeah. that there's trillions of, you know, sort of, you know, infinite planets. Um, yeah, sure. Like, that's, that's, that's going to make it um, seem very large. But it did not seem to me as if the scale of what people would be doing would be like, it didn't, it didn't seem like this would be your new life, you know? No. It seemed like this would be a video game. Yeah. Um, and I never, it never occurred, it never really. It, I, I guess uh, occasionally I would think, gee, I wonder if people are really, really hyping this up like way, way, way beyond the level that uh, that it that it should be. Um, but it never really occurred to me that that that, that it was so out of whack.
1: Right.
0: Because um, there's a lot of people who really enjoy the game, but people are getting very, um, very focused in on um, the there's, you know, these, these Reddit threads that are like, well, this is what, you know, hello games said was going to be in the game and it's not. Um, and it it, is, is it a good game? Is it fun? Are you enjoying it? Are you having a good time? Um, you know, I don't think it's like, I don't feel like they, I don't feel like anybody lied. It seems like they had all of these concepts of what this game was going to be. And then had to cut that down maybe unexpectedly towards the end. Um, Or, you know, maybe we're really talking about like, this is what's going to happen in this game as it grows over time versus in the, in the initial, the initially sort of shipped version of it. I mean, what, you know, did you, did you enjoy the game? Did you have a good time playing it?
1: Yeah. I think it's fun and it's beautiful. It's, Like we were talking earlier about sort of the quintessential AAA video game experience, and this is not that. I mean the way it plays is it plays like the game Proteus, which is a game – it's it's this independent game about exploring these impressionistic landscapes that are – Uh, procedurally generated and it it plays like that but with some survival elements and that's you know really interesting and it's gorgeous and you can spend a lot of time just exploring and gathering things and looking at these places but like there isn't much to do and you look at the trailers and like there never looked like there was a whole lot to do the question was always what do you do in No Man's Sky and the answer is you be there And that's what it's always kind of looked like it was going to be, at least least if you separate what you've seen from the hype built around it, in my opinion. And so, I I mean, it is enjoyable and very interesting to be in these really beautiful (laughs) places that, that were made in this very unique way but like yeah it is i think part of the backlash is because it is very divorced from that you know big mainstream game experience but it got the marketing budget and sort of and and big press conference treatment of one of those games Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like if it's i mean again like i really feel like this has to be underlined if
0: if if $60 is a big deal to you, you know what I mean? If you feel like if you're gonna pay $60 and and that after you do it, if you're disappointed with the game that you're gonna feel ripped off for your money, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you feel like if you feel like you're really gonna be hurting for that amount of money, um, don't pre-order video games. No. Don't do, don't do it. it. Wait for <laughs> reviews. Wait for reviews. I don't mean I don't mean wait for a sponsored YouTube video. I mean literally wait for reviews so that you can see what content is there versus not, and and then you can make your choice. Just wait a couple of freaking days uh, to see what's going on. Don't pre-order if it's going to be a big deal. If you don't care if sixty dollars is nothing. Fine, sure, pre-order okay. games, but if it's going to be something where you're super mad about it later, just stop doing it don't buy a product based on what you saw in a sony press conference just don't it goes for everything this even goes and i was going to i actually i i'm gonna be in like um serious uh shill mode um for uh my old book which is getting reprinted so i may as (laughs) well talk about that now um and and to tell you to not pre-order it if you if you if, if if you don't want to um because so so a book that I wrote in two thousand and four, uh, it's called Power Up: How Japanese Video Games Gave the World an Extra Life. It's about it was the first book written in English of just about just about Japanese video games. Um, it's been out of print for a very long time. Um, it got to the point where it was like a hundred dollars on Amazon. Um, wow. It's cheap. It's cheaper now, uh, but it's it was very it was very hard to find, very expensive, um, and really, and there was no ebook version, and it just stunk because I could not like you know people just couldn't read it without kind of jumping through hoops um mm-hmm. so it's finally coming back um we uh added um i mean there's there's new stuff there's a new cover which is beautiful um there is uh um, there's a new forward actually by Shuhei Yoshida, who is the, uh, the, the head of Sony's Worldwide Game Development Studios, um, which is very nice. Um, there, I, I went back to Akihabara because there's a chapter about Akihabara, the video game sort of uh, retail nerd area of Japan, and I wrote a brand new essay about that. And then finally, there's a massive, um, like 10,000 words, big, 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 big new chapter. Uh, that is all about the life and work of Satoru Iwata. Um, you know, I could I could think of nothing nothing better to do in, uh, you know an updated chapter about. Um, and it kind of takes us from 2004 when Power Up was published, and it takes us into the present day through through looking at um, the story of the DS and the Wii and the, the, how that kind of changed gaming and Japanese gaming specifically. Um, so that's happening, that's October, October 19. Um, and I, so I'm off two minds about this because on the one hand, I, I should say, um, pre-ordering books is really good because um, if it's like, if, if, if a bookstore gets like, you know a couple of pre-orders for a book and they have some guaranteed sales, they'll they'll probably buy those copies and then some more because they mm-hmm. have an early indicator that um that this game is or this game that this book <laughs> is going to be popular this is what everything, draw these lines everything is game um because they have an early indicator the book is going to be popular and if even if pre are on, uh, on on amazon it's just good like to they book Bookstores start seeing that something is already selling, they're they're much more likely to take a risk of uh, buying a few copies. And mm-hmm. then as if those if you if there's a couple of copies on the shelf, you know, the more copies that are there, the more that somebody might see um, that book on the shelf and buy it, you know, and then they might order some more because somebody just bought it. And you really want to make sure like that that actually happens, mm-hmm. because if that doesn't happen. Then you don't start. It's a chicken and egg problem. You don't start that cycle, and you don't start selling books. So I have been telling people, like, "Hey, pre-ordering, like, it really helps. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a big deal um, if you pre-order." But I will say this to you: if, if you, if, if the uh, ten to fifteen dollars that it would cost to cover price is fifteen bucks, if. If you if the, if you are if you would spend fifteen dollars on this and then get it and read it and be and, and you think there's a way that you would be disappointed by this book, um, don't don't pre-order it. It's okay. Just wait until people start writing reviews on Goodreads or something like that, <laughs> or or wait until later. It's it's okay. I wouldn't tell you to spend. I I my job is telling you to not spend your money on something. Uh, before you know how good it is. Um, and meanwhile, I'm telling people to spend their money on something before they know if it's any good. Um, and only do it, only do it if you are supremely confident that it's that it's not gonna be a problem later is all I'm saying. But that is my that is my Chris Schill's uh, his his book on video games segment for this week, um, and which I will probably <laughs> be doing for the rest of the year in in little bits. Um, so Very good. please understand it's important. Uh, so, so anyway, <laughs> um, yes, let's see, we talked about No Man's Sky, we talked about Deus Ex, we talked about, oh, 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 speaking of like Japan and weirdness and PlayStations and consoles and the shrinking console market and, you know, companies only putting out certain numbers of games, Um, Kotaku, Brian Ashcraft over on Kotaku just summarized some data that was released, I believe by... Enterbrain or Famitsu, um, I forget. It was it was one of the, the two companies that tracks physical sales um, of, uh, of of games in Japan, which is really sort of still the vast majority of how the games are sold in Japan is physically. And looked at the PlayStation Four, which is you know the 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 biggest console in Japan, which is kind of like saying the the biggest piece of the tiniest pizza ever. Um, but <laughs> it's it's the and, and looking at lifetime sales of games on the PlayStation 4. Nothing on the PS4 has cracked half a million copies yet. Like wow. Metal Gear Solid 5, the Phantom Pain. Um, let me let me actually bring this up. All right. Yes, yeah, for lifetime sales. Japan. Where's where's this story? I want to make sure that I actually have it really in front of me. Yeah. Um
1: uh, can't
0: yeah. find it can't find it can't
1: find it hold on sorry I found it got it yeah I'll send it so what's the oh you're going to send it to me Yeah slack it to me come on, come on.
0: Dun, 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 dun. There we go Thanks Jake yep 5 biggest selling PS4 games in Japan mm-hmm. Uh number 1 is the Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain um, with four 400, about four hundred thirty thousand copies, so it hasn't even cracked half a million physically. The second one is NAC with four hundred thousand copies. Again, the crazy part about this is that the like PS4 software sales are so low, um, that nothing has cracked a million yet. There's not. There, not only has there not been a million seller on PlayStation Four, there hasn't even been a half million seller on PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. This is like. This is the total hollowing out of, of the console market in Japan, um, and as I said on Twitter when I tweeted this, Japan is the canary in the coal mine. Like there is there is good reason to believe that Japan, like Japan is advanced. They're ahead of us. Their toilets <laughs> are ahead of us, and their collapsing console market is ahead of us. Um, <laughs> and and but then the craziest part of the craziest part of this whole thing is that. Call of Duty Black Ops 3 is the third best-selling PlayStation 4 title in Japan Above
1: a Dragon Quest game, above and a above, Dragon
0: Quest game, and above, and above a Dark Souls game, yeah. Which I mean, again, the fact that it's above the Dragon Quest Heroes game, which is the Dragon Quest, um, Dragon Quest Muso, Dragon Quest Dynasty Warriors, right? Uh huh. The fact that it is above that game is completely insane. It's not even a release date thing because Dragon Quest Heroes was released in February 2015. Black Ops Three was released in November 2015. So Dragon Quest Heroes had many more months to sell copies and black ops 3 did so well i mean first of all this is this is you know a testament um to that whatever scam activation has got going in japan like (laughs) to to, to advertise this to people Mm -hmm. because first person shooters are not in any way or have never been a significant um part of uh the, the Japanese, you know, console or game sales in any way it's not popular there. So the fact that it's the third best-selling game, it outsold a Dragon Quest spinoff, to be fair, um, is astonishing to me. Um, and it really, I think, shows, like, who is buying consoles right now. A, like, you, it really is the domain of these, this absolutely hardcore group. Like, the, the, the casual players are gone um and the people because there were there have always been people in japan who played first person shooters like you know there people in japan did buy the xbox and they did Mm -hmm. buy halo like they did there were people but it was this narrow band now that narrow band of people seems to be the vast majority of the owners of game consoles period um Mm -hmm black ops 3 to be that up there it's not even that black ops 3 is shockingly high it's that everything else is shockingly low yeah. um also just the fact that like the, the 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 number of releases that are coming out right now like really black ops 3 was probably very popular because there's just because what else is there to even buy at this point um right. there's just very 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 few AAA games coming out period um especially in japan um that we actually see more Japanese players turning to games like Black Ops Three, um, to uh, for their entertainment for their PlayStation ports. There's just not that much other stuff out there. It is mind blowing to me mm-hmm. to look at a list like this and to see Call of Duty where it is. It is just this weird, like, like stratification of um, the, the 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 console game business in general in a, in a variety of different ways. It, it shows so many things to me about the decline, the absolute, like, as I said, hollowing out of the console market in Japan and the, the weirdness of, like, be, there's just so few games out there that now you have um, Call of Duty doing well in Japan. So strange. And quite frankly, I mean, like, I think, I mean, PlayStation 4 one of the things that Sony has going for it at this time is that, I mean, first there is final fantasy 15, which is bigger than any of these games on this list. As far as like it's, it's reach and its importance to the Japanese market. Mm-hmm. Um, it is possible that final fantasy 15 does a million. Um, but I wouldn't actually bet on it. Right. And I, I think it might not do a million. Um, I, th- but, but dragon quest 11 is coming for PS4. And I think that that is where it doesn't. It. I, mean, I think that Dragon Quest XI, it, it, Dragon Quest XI, is so important for Sony right now. Not not so much for Square Enix. I think it's I think it's so important right now for Sony. Um, the fact that Dragon Quest XI is coming to PlayStation Four. Note that it's not only coming to PlayStation Four because there's going to be a 3DS version and a PS4 version. Um, and, and then the question is, well, which is the real, which is the canonical Dragon Quest XI, you know? I don't know. But the fact that it's coming to PlayStation 4, like, that really could be the thing that finally, like, gets casual players, like, going to the store and buying a PlayStation 4, Um because they want to play Dragon Quest XI, but even but even with Dragon man, if Dragon Quest XI doesn't do a million on PlayStation 4, which I think that has the most chance of anything, um, it, that's just shocking yeah. to just not to not have. Um, if Dragon Quest XI doesn't do it, then PlayStation 4 may never have a million seller in its home country, that um, which is which and- is bizarre.
1: What I also find really interesting about this list is that, you know, it says at the bottom that estimated that Sony has sold, like, 3 million PS4s in Japan. So there's not a single PS4 game owned by more than, like, 15% of the people who own PS4s. Like, 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 yeah. the, the, there's no, like, broad, you know, game that, that brings the market together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you figure Dragon Quest would be that game. But the fact yeah. that it's – I mean, the fact that Square Enix really hedged its bets so much into two different versions – I think it will. I mean, I bet it, I bet it comes to NX as well. Um, yeah, they did. I mean, they, I mean, they said, they said like, Oh, like, you know, we're looking at putting it on the NX. Like, I don't think that they, uh, I don't think that they like said, this is absolutely true. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, when they, when the Dragon Quest 11 thing happened, they mentioned the NX as something they were looking into. Um, but not necessarily as like, oh, this is, oh, this is totally, definitely happening. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking at Wikipedia for Dragon Quest 11, and they note that, like, the games said different producers, you know, the 3DS version and the PS4 version. Huh. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. It's this. I, I remember this now, because the 3DS version has 3D graphics on the top screen and 16-bit sprites on the bottom screen. Um, Interesting. And you can, and you can yeah. Huh. Um, right, right, right uh yeah 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 yeah. and then the ps4 version is is unreal engine 4 based um yeah that man dragon quest 11 is just fascinating it's fascinating that they're the the bet hedging that they're doing by doing two separate versions and i actually wonder i mean i i wonder by the time that it actually comes out if that's all still going to be the case like, right. because maybe they reintroduce it and they're like, "Yeah, actually, we're not doing what we said we were going to do." You know, maybe they cancel mm-hmm. one or one or two of those versions. I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's it's possible. Things are changing so rapidly. Right. Um, situations are changing so rapidly that they. I mean, maybe they're maybe they're gonna maybe they'll retitle them. I mean, God, they took Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen and retitled it. You know, Final Fantasy Fifteen. Like, maybe it'll be two separate games. I have no idea. I'm I'm totally spitballing, but it's just. Everything is so weird right now that yeah. I don't believe anything anymore. <laughs> like when, you, when people say they're going to do something three years from now, it's like, but three years is a lifetime. Right? Can you really? Can you really say today, like exactly what you're going to ship in, in three years? I don't think you can anymore. Um, so it's like when it's something like Final, when it's something like Dragon Quest Eleven, when it's when it's announced way prior to its release, it's like, yeah. What are you going to do? Um, yeah. Well, anyway, that was a thing. Um, so I think that uh, I think that we talked about all the things we wanted to talk about. Oh, there's Metroid Prime. Uh, I,
1: <laughs> that says so much right
0: there. I wrote a piece. I wrote a piece. It's like I don't want to rehash the whole thing that I talked about. I will oh. say this, though, which I did not write in my piece, but – I broke my 3DS's uh, right analog nub playing Metroid Prime Federation <laughs> Force. Oh dear. Yeah. Um. It 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 stops. Um. It used to. I mean, basically. So this thing, if you don't have a new 3DS, it's like um. It's like the things that they used to have on laptops, which they kind of still do, but it's like a mm. little sort of like nubbin in the keyboard, and you just put your finger on it and press it around to to move a mouse around. That's precisely what this thing is. But after like after an intense boss fight. Um, I look and it doesn't work anymore. It's like, if I, if I press to the left and up, it's fine. If I press down, it doesn't go. And if I press really hard, it goes, but it's like, uh, what up? Like, can I fix this thing somehow? Um, I don't know how you would. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth it. Are you um, ever going to use it that, that stick again?
1: I, Who can say? You no, know,
0: I might not. I <laughs> might never actually use it again. And quite frankly, I mean, it might just be the cheapest thing to do. It might just be to buy a new, new 3DS <laughs> and just transfer my data and be like, okay, I finally did it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. It was very weird. Um, but yeah, Metroid Prime Federation Force turns out to be exactly what everybody expected. A a 7.5 7.528 uh, eight um you know first person multiplayer very multiplayer focused shooter there really is no single player mode you can play it as a solo player but like you you are just playing multiplayer solo um which is like as as uh suboptimal as you might expect um so it's good it's fun um but it is but but it is precisely what you imagine it to be and nothing more um yeah yep so cool yes now you know uh, and that Big was the games. Game Life podcast thanks everybody <laughs> um, yeah Jake
1: <laughs> so
0: um, <laughs> why don't you let the people know where to find you okay well
1: uh, yeah I'm on the internet you, you can do that. you can find me find my work at wired.com and you can talk to me at Jake Muncy on Twitter J-A-K-E-M-U-N-C-Y
0: I, as Chris Kohler, I'm on Twitter as Kobunheat, K-O-B-U-N-H-E-A-T, and that is how you can find me. Uh, So thank you all guys very much for listening to the Game Life podcast this week. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to come back at you next week with another Game Life podcast. Uh, So please look forward to it. Um, And thanks again, and goodbye.